0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In our gospel lesson last week, Jesus told us that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Our lives, as such, are intended to, to season and illuminate, support and inspire. But then, after telling his followers that they are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, Jesus goes on to tell them and us that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And because this is so, Jesus calls on his followers to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees so that they might enter God's kingdom. But this then begs the question, what exactly does it look like to be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees? To that question, Jesus sort of left us hanging last week. That is, until today. Today, Jesus begins by interpreting and, in some sense, transforming the law. Let's admit that the interpretation that Jesus offers here is a tall order to say the least. For yes, Jesus affirms the commandment to not murder. But in Jesus's mind, this means that we are to forsake anger altogether and to go all out in the cause of reconciliation with others. Jesus does something similar with marital fidelity. Of course, we are not supposed to commit adultery, but Jesus then takes this to mean that we are to forsake lust and objectifying other people altogether. And While he's at it, Jesus recasts the notion of divorce as well. And then, not only are we told not to lie, but Jesus calls on us to give up taking oaths at all. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no, Jesus says. These commandments are interpreted in such a way as to make them seem impossible to keep, right? So what do we do with this? Well, let me just say that my initial reaction is to push back and to dismiss this all as overly extreme, and even irrational. But then again, I'm the sort of person who has a hard time keeping the rules in mundane settings when I think that they don't make sense. So, So case in point, back when my kids were in elementary school, one one of my sons and I were asked to sign onto a set of rules from the school. It was a way to let the school know that we had discussed the rules as a family and that we had decided to agree to them. And the rules started out well. They were about treating others with care and respect, and I was all for it. But as we went on, the things seemed to get a bit off of the rails. So one of the things they were supposed to do is supposed to ask permission before when they were done with lunch. And my son, he looked at me, and he said, Dad, we don't ever do this. No one does this. Which is to say that we were both signing on to a rule that no one keeps, and that no one is expected to keep. And as he read, my, we continue to read these rules, my rebellious streak started to, to kick in more and more, and uh, we got to the, the rule about play structures. I, it was all I could do to bite my tongue about how unrealistic these rules actually were. So for instance, only one child is allowed on the monkey bars at a time. And the children, they all needed to go in the same direction on the monkey bars, no backwards and forwards. And the rules, they didn't even call them monkey bars anymore. They, they called them the horizontal ladder. Another rule that, that, had that, that all the kings had to run in the same direction on the play structure. The same direction. What group of kids plays this way? <laughs> Robot children, that's who. That's what they were trying to turn my son into. My son told me he never played on the play structures, and who could blame him, right? But anyway, I hear these words from Jesus, and my rebellious streak kicks in because they seem impossible to attain. Jesus seems to be asking more than we can possibly do. And yet I wonder if that reality is part of the point, Because when I hear these words and I get over my my knee-jerk pushback, then I'm struck by how true Jesus sounds, if also he sounds extreme. Because you see, yes, murder kills. But anger all by itself, even if it is never acted on, can devour a soul. And it's not just that adultery is a cruel betrayal, but the, the simple objectification of another human being demeans both the other and the objectifier. And as such, this teaching puts us to the question in a way that the, the, a simplistic interpretation of the commandments just doesn't. Not murdering or committing adultery or lying are fundamental to our striving to live a moral life, but it is not enough, is it? These things are necessary, but they are not sufficient. As Jesus understands the law here, living in accord with the law is more than just refraining from doing harmful actions, but also recognizing where those harmful actions spring from. For instance, refraining from murder is the ground floor, yes. But Jesus invites us to look and see how our lives and our relationships can and will be malformed by anger. And in doing so, Jesus is looking to erode our self-assurance and our own moral and upstanding nature. If we are hoping to construct our own identity built around our self-righteousness, then Jesus tells us here that we are doomed to fail. We may not murder another, but what about the presence of anger? We may not commit adultery, but what about the presence of lust? Jesus takes away our potential for self-justification we will not be able to make ourselves righteous through our actions. Which means that Jesus is telling us that we will need to rely on the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God. If we are hoping that we are going to win a reward for being good people, then Jesus tells us that that work is never done. We will always need to look at our hearts and our motivations and discover where they are leading us. And yet, as I say all this, I don't wanna give you the impression that these words are meant to be ignored or rationalized by telling you to simply rely on God's grace and forgiveness as much as I believe that we can and should. No, I think, I think Jesus is also inviting us here to hear a challenge a challenge that Jesus gives us. Jesus is saying to you and to me that we are works in progress. And in this light, the law is less about what we have established on our own and more about who we are striving to become. The law is is about how we are being shaped and molded in response to God and to God's actions in our lives. The law here is is less about what we have accomplished and more about a journey, a process. The law calls us ahead of ourselves and beckons beckons us to walk toward the horizon of God's love and God's mercy and God's judgment and God's kingdom. So I'm hoping I never murder anybody. I'm hoping to keep my streak alive. Yeah, meet you guys. Thank you, Bill. You all hope as well, yes. I'm hoping not to murder, but I, but I know that I will never be someone who, who never harbors anger toward another. But, knowing that I may never be able to get rid of anger in my heart, I do hope and think that I can strive to grow into someone who is less angry, and less ruled by the presence of anger in my life. I might in time be able to make peace with my anger and be more and more successful at looking beyond my anger to see the actual person that I'm angry at. My recognition of my anger might make me humble and more able to not see myself as the center of reality. My recognition of my own failings might help to make me more compassionate and able to empathize with others. My looking to follow the law will be looking towards the horizon, looking towards a transformation, looking towards the conversion of my soul. These commandments, then, are not about checking off boxes where we get to be assured of our own righteousness. This, frankly, is the danger facing the religious elite and anyone who spends any time trying to be responsive to God and God's will. But rather than these commandments as a way of checking off boxes, these commandments are, as they are interpreted by Jesus, are a way of following him These commandments call us to a path of following where Jesus has led. They are about adopting a radical way of awareness and attention where by God's grace, we come to analyze our hearts and to be transformed by the slow process of conversion, of turning more and more toward God and God's ways. And so, we don't need to hear these words as a threat, even though there's a, a lot of threat here present in this, this passage. But as opposed to hearing it as threat, I invite us to hear it here instead, these words instead, as invitation. Jesus invites us outside of ourselves into lives lived in loving relationship with God and with others. Jesus invites us to awareness and in that awareness to transformation. Amen.